Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. I find I often start the podcast by talking about today. Today we're going to talk to so and so. Today it's such and such on the show. Well, what about tomorrow? Here to talk a bit about that is Kartik Sekar, senior data analyst at Climax Foods and the author of After Meat. This was part of the Sean Atwood True Crime podcast, a segment in a four-hour show, and since it went out live online on Sean's YouTube channel, you'll hear me interacting with the viewers. Now, some of Sean's huge and very dynamic listenership or viewers are a little conservative and conspiratorial at times. Uh, So they went absolutely berserk. So try to imagine me having this conversation with the lovely, polite and enthusiastic Kartik while keeping an eye on a chat full of people writing in capital letters, you'll never make me eat bugs, which is something that Kartik didn't suggest we do. But the conspiracy theorists always come out and go, oh, they're going to make me eat bugs. Let me tell you something. I'm not going to eat bugs. I'm all for this future of foods without having to kill animals and stuff. I'm not eating bugs. Uh, I don't want anyone else to. You know, Kartik makes non-animal cheese, which I think is nice, having to get cheese that didn't come out of a cow's boobs. Um, It really got going in the chat around the time that Bill Gates was brought up because he's been buying up 0.1% of all farmland in the US, which is a bit weird. But Kartik suggested Bill Gates' intentions might just be good and that he wants to help and whatever that might entail. And that just blew the whole place up in the chat. Hundreds of capital letter people started saying they were unsubscribing from Sean's channel. It was a circus. Anyway, aside from all that, I really enjoyed what Kartik had to say. I'm a vegetarian myself, but I don't suggest or push you to do the same. Do you know, you do you. Everyone's got to do what they've got to do. I don't think guilt is of any interest or help in this whole thing. I personally, it's not really about the moral superiority or anything like that. It's just I find it and have always found it a bit gross, the idea of putting a dead animal, a dead anything, uh, in my mouth. That's all it is. Um, But I am intrigued by the future of food and Kartik's theories about that future. No one knows how the future will go or what it will look like. If you go back through history, they always predict it incredibly wrong, uh, although there are little bits and pieces that are just sort of right every now and then. But it's always interesting to think about. So get Kartik's book after meat in all the usual places and check out kartiksekar.com to see his latest musings. Thank you to Sean Atwood, of course, and Ash Meikle, the producer, for arranging this. 
You can find the full four-hour show on the Sean Atwood True Crime Podcast. Lots of cool stuff coming up on this show. But now you're on the edge of future foods with Kartik Sekar. And is it Karthik? It's Kartik. An easy monomic is car and then tick. There you go. I did think it would be that, but I thought, you know what? I'm going to go with TH with the tongue between my teeth, which we never think about. Sounds like a lisp to people who are not English. It's like we must sound quite lispy. Absolutely. But no worries. I, I've heard every variant. Kartik. Kartik. So, Kartik, where are you talking to us from today? I'm talking to you from sunny California, specifically the Bay Area, Berkeley. Ooh, lovely. Posh University and everything there, isn't it? That's right. So <laughs> I always ask people where they're talking from because I just like, I love it. I love doing this job and being able to sort of see where everyone around the world is and all those things. So tell us just a little bit about your background and, and, and what you do. Yes. So I'm Kartik Shaker. I'm a data scientist at Climax Foods. So Climax Foods is a plant-based food company. And my background is I'm a former scientist in bioengineering, quantitative biology, and I became really interested in the problem of replacing animal agriculture. So I was a researcher right about the time when Impossible Foods and Beyond Meat were starting to make you know, very big headlines. And I myself became very excited for that and actually even tried to do my own project with cheese. And I even tried to you know, raise funding write proposals and so forth. But, uh, you know, I felt like the world wasn't quite ready at that time. This was back in 2017, 2018. And so I joined one of the exciting startups in Silicon Valley, where I get to work on it firsthand. And separately, I've written a book, After Meat, that argues that we'll actually be able to do better in the long run. So I think when most of us think about the transition away from animal products, we see it as an imperative for ethical or environmental reasons. But my argument is we'll actually be able to do, we'll be able to do better. So we'll be able to have better taste, better nutrition, and even more affordability. Oh, that's interesting to know because, you know, because I, I wasn't sure. Obviously, the producer, Ash, puts the show together and I thought you were going to say like lots of negative things about that stuff. I'm a vegetarian myself, uh, as is Sean. And so we're interested in we've got our own. In- there's all, I mean, there's the third reason. And obviously, there's like the environment and animal cruelty. And my third reason is is just I feel a bit grossed out once I let myself think about a dead body being in my mouth and I sort of went my whole life trying to stop you know stop myself from thinking that just like don't think about what it is and I'd never eat something that was like looked like the chicken Do you know what? it had to be like mixed up and mushed up so I didn't think about the animal but once you let yourself really think about it it's really hard to go back after that so so should we start with like why animals are fundamentally limited and woefully outdated as a production technology Sure. I, lo- I love this uh, question. So there are two aspects for why they're outdated. So one is that they just grow very big. And what that means is animals require a fairly extensive circulatory system. So they need you know, blood to pump throughout their bodies. They need a heart that's continually pumping. And so the circulation provides nutrients to all the cells in their body. And then it also shows waste to, to, to their exits. And you can kind of think of this circulation system as just being a a cost in order to run this animal bioreactor to produce our our meat, dairy, clothing. And uh, the other reason is that animals just haven't really evolved to to, to be production systems. So animals evolved to to walk around, to note who's friend or foe, 
to be able to just do all sorts of you know, complex activities. And in contrast, uh, one of the technologies that I, I continually tout is microbial fermentation. So, so microbes don't have the same problems in terms of uh, extensive circulation system. They're, they're, mu they're much smaller. They're you know, so small that we can't see them. They're, they're microscopic. And what that means is they don't need the circulation system. They can actually just uh, pass all their nutrients by a diffusion. And so you, you eliminate that entire cost for, 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 say, producing a meat in a microbial bioreactor. And then, and then they're you know, a lot more specific in terms of what they can do. They're very good at just making more of themselves or, or producing biomass. And so you can imagine if that we're able to turn that biomass directly into dairy or meat, you're just going to be way more efficient. And just to clue you in on you know, some of the differences here in terms of numbers, one bathtub, one bathtub sized bioreactor that's doing microbial fermentation can replace about 10,000 cows. So, so that, so, so yeah, I just want to, you know, say it again, one, one bioreactor that we can fit, you know, in our bathroom could replace 10,000 cows. Wow. But I guess, and firstly, I just want to say to the people in the, the comments, because I know it's sort of, I guess it's sort of triggering to people who like to eat meat and it gets, it's sort of to do with identity and stuff like that. And one identifies as like a, a meat eater. And I understand that. And, you know, it, it, I get it. and But I think it is possible, I'd like to think it's possible to listen to another point of view and another way of living without shouting about bugs and <laughs> trying to <laughs> poach it. I, I would just ask that people open their minds and you can still disagree and that's fine. You don't have to agree. Nobody's going to come and force you to eat bugs or whatever it might be. Um, what might so so microbes or whatever now that's maybe not going to help me get past the ick factor of like eating a dead animal because microbes make me feel a bit the i definitely wouldn't eat bugs and i won't eat even though i know you know, you know so what are my are microbes little disgusting things what is that we eat microbes all the time uh especially if you like beer wine oh kimchi God. any 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 uh any fermented <laughs> food is just a uh, rife of you know, rife with microbes. Yeah. So, oh my uh, God. yeah. Fine. So that, uh, that cloudy, that cloudy, you know, I guess a uh, mixture at the very bottom of our beer bottle. That is, that's basically pure microbes. Yeast. Never having a beer again. There you go. Ruined <laughs> beer for me. Um, but I'm particularly, I get particularly, you know, whatever about it. Um, but, but fair enough. So, so, so what, what's the stuff that's, are we currently having? Um, so for example, I'm eating a lot of stuff that I don't even know what it is, but it's fake chicken. It's fake burgers beyond meat. What, way, how is that made? Yeah, it, it depends. So there's a bunch of different methods. I think probably the most familiar ones are what impossible foods beyond meat is doing where they take plant ingredients and they, they chemically transform them into, you know, something that's like a beef burger or a chicken nugget. And uh, so I would, I would, I would, I would definitely couch that as a large category of, uh, of one of these alternatives. There's also more companies doing this, this sort of microbial fermentation based approach. So corn Q U O R N is, is probably the most uh, well-known uh, food that works this way. So they actually have bioreactors where they actually have these microbes. These microbes are actually tiny, tiny fungi. And they actually produce uh, mycelium, which is basically that spongy surface on our mushrooms. But, uh, you know, obviously characteristic to these specific microbes. And then they're able to fashion that into, you know, say a chicken nugget. And then, yeah, there are companies working on actually taking animal stem cells and then growing them into, say, a full 
uh, steak or, or, or chicken breasts. So, 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 so many different technologies on the horizon. That's an interesting one. I'd be interested to hear the chat and be open-minded chat people. Give me a one if you would eat the lab-grown animals. So you'd still be eating a chicken or a, a cow or whatever, but it was just meat of theirs grown in a lab. And give me a two if you just wouldn't do that. I'm, I'm genuinely interested. Uh, and I don't know how I'd feel because, I, again, I've got that ick factor. It's like eating a dead animal, except it was never really alive, right? The lab-grown ones. Right, right. There was no live animal you know, involved in the direct production of that specific animal product. They're all saying two. <laughs> well, that's fair enough. And no, look, no one's forcing you. I've got, I got, I saw one, one in there, but they, I don't think anyone. Wow, they wouldn't eat it. Oh, I've got Ash, the producer's giving me a two as well. He's, I, I do think. Do you think it's linked to identity to an extent? I think it's something to do with that, isn't it? Yeah, actually, let me just say something. You know, just regarding the egg factor regarding food. So I, I want to point out that most of our food is actually really, really new, right? So think about tomatoes. So tomatoes for actually a really long part of, you know, after they were first discovered were regarded very warily, right? So people realized that they were nightshade, you know, they looked like belladonna and people actually didn't eat tomatoes for, you know, for the first few hundred years after they were quote unquote discovered. And so all the Italian food, all the Indian food, any, any cuisine that you eat that's very heavy on tomatoes, it really only came about in the 19th century. And, uh, you know, other foods too, like, you know, shrimp, right? Shrimp is not something that was like, you know, widely eaten across the world, right? Like, you know, you had to, you had to basically have access to people who are actually directly farming it. And what are shrimp? Shrimp are effectively insects of, of, of the sea, yeah. right? I, which is why I won't eat them. I won't eat shrimp. <laughs> and I used to. And it is, it's probably the tastiest thing I can ever imagine, just remembering shrimp. It was so good. But I started to get grossed out by the thought of them being little insects in the sea. And I can't eat them anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And also also cow milk, right? Uh, actually, oh, no. So don't I, do that. <laughs> go on, sorry. <laughs> Uh, one of, uh, someone who's a barista pointed out to me that, uh, when she was offering cow milk versus say oat milk, you know, saying cow milk instead of dairy milk, people were just like weirded out by that. Right. Like, I don't think we think about that. Like, you know, we're, we're drinking another animal's milk. You know, I think if aliens came down to earth and, you know, we're wondering why we did that. You know, it'd be something we'd have to explain and have a have a hard time doing. Yeah, yeah. I think it is a, a lot of people. It's like you said. You know, you get stuck in a certain way, and you feel uh, a bit tribal and a bit tense and a bit. You know, like people are going to take something away from you. And I keep saying, I don't think anyone is, but people in the comments are still saying they are taking it away from us. Do you envisage a time in the future where people are forced to no longer, or it's prohibited, eating animal meat? I do. Uh, so. So I, I, I do, I realize this is a very controversial take, but uh, in my view, we'll be able to do better in every single way with, uh, with alternatives in the long run. And actually for purely selfish reasons, we'll actually wanna go with alternatives. We won't actually wanna do the conventional animal ag version. And you know, I think at that point, we'll have better sensibilities about you know, how we treat animals. You know, once we're able to realize we don't actually you know, need to farm animals, you know, we'll just generally have more empathy for them. And so, yeah, I see, I, I do see sort of like, you know, legal changes kind of ensuing after that as well. A few decades ago, private citizens used to be largely that, private. 
What's changed? The internet. Think about everything you've browsed, searched for, watched or tweeted. Now imagine all of that data being crawled through, collected and aggregated by third parties into a permanent public record. Your record. Having your private life exposed for others to see was once something only celebrities worried about, but in an era where everyone is online, everyone is a public figure. To keep my data private when I go online, I turn to ExpressVPN. Did you know there are hundreds of data brokers out there whose sole business is to buy and sell your data? The worst part is they don't have to tell you who they're selling it to or get your consent. One of these data points is your IP address. Data harvesters use your IP to uniquely identify you and your location. But with ExpressVPN, my connection gets rerouted through an encrypted server and my IP address is masked. Every time I turn ExpressVPN on, I'm given a random IP address shared by other ExpressVPN customers. That makes it more difficult for third parties to identify me and harvest my data. And the best part is how easy ExpressVPN is to use. No matter what device you're on, phone, laptop or smart TV, all you have to do is tap one button to get protected. So if, like me, you believe that your data is your business, secure yourself with the number one rated VPN on the market. Visit expressvpn.com heretics and get three extra months for free. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash heretics. Go to expressvpn.com slash heretics to learn more. Hey, it's Andrew. If you're enjoying Heretics, there's another podcast I want to recommend to you, especially if climate change, global conflicts and an upcoming election are making you feel like we're on the brink of disaster. What Could Go Right is hosted by Progress Network founder Zachary Carabell and executive director Emma Varvalukas. On What Could Go Right, the hosts sit down with expert guests to discuss the world's most pressing issues without resorting to pessimism or despair that we hear so often. Instead, they look back at how far society has come and look forward at what it will take to achieve an even brighter future. Is progress on the way? They may not have all the answers, but on What Could Go Right, they're asking the key questions. Tune in to hear interviews with upcoming guests like writer Coleman Hughes, CNN host Fareed Zakaria, and economist Alison Schrager. If you're looking for a weekly dose of optimistic ideas from smart people, join them every Wednesday on What Could Go Right, available wherever you get your podcasts. The empathy thing is interesting because there is that thing, you know, having gone, become a vegetarian, you start to open up to it. And I spent 20 years just going like, I'm not thinking about it, not thinking about it. And then once you do, like I say, it's very hard to go back. I suppose just for balance, a lot of the stuff, you know, that people talk are talking about in the comments, a lot of the anger and stuff. Are there bad sides to a lot of the stuff that's being made? People talked about high to high estrogen. I don't know any of the science. So, so let, tell me if there are there problems with a lot of the genetically modified stuff we're eating? <laughs> yeah, so it's 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 always going to be a case by case basis. Uh, so 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 of course we want to do our diligence and you know ensure that you know our foods are, are very healthy. But I I also want to emphasize here that like what what we're doing we're not we're not like inventing some like green goo that we're you know injecting into our bodies. We're actually just taking the molecules that we've already been con- consuming for you know our entire course of human evolution, right? and just effectively reassembling them in a different way. So you can kind of think of it as, you know, the end result is the same. The The, the way we're getting there is just going to be different. Right, yeah. I, I guess everything is an ingredient that doesn't come from nowhere, does it? Um, exactly. And you get plenty of vegan and vegetarian sports stars and things like that for people saying, oh, no, humans need 
to eat animals or whatever. I feel I feel exactly the same since I stopped eating meat, and I think Sean would say the same thing. I presume you don't eat meat. You feel you feel all right. Do you do you eat do you eat like insects though? Do you do that? I do not eat insects, and yes, I I don't eat meat. I don't eat dairy. I'm I'm, I'm full vegan, and yeah, I, I echo those uh, you know same observations. I I feel great. I feel like I have more energy. You know, since giving up animal products. I, I've noticed, especially with just sort of ex- exercising, my recovery periods are just even better compared to 10 years ago when I was in my 20s. Mm, so there you go. People don't want to hear that, though. And I guess it's associated <laughs> with a lot of woke stuff and all that. And it's not I don't think it's the same. Hey, what do you think is um, like, I, you know, Bill Gates at the moment is buying up loads of farmland. What's yeah. what's happening with that? Yeah. So from what I could tell, so one, it's it, so so. Just knowing Bill and you know just how he operates, I don't know him personally, FYI, but just <laughs> uh, you know my observations of you know his actions. He he's really keen on you know doing investments, doing research to to create a better world. And I know he has a lot of projects related to making agriculture more climate change resistant, or at least uh, you know getting it ready for the world as as climate changes. And so my guess is part of this is just, uh, you know, buying lands to try, you know, cultivating crops in a way that does research toward that end. And then, and then the other aspect too is like Bill, Bill is also, you know, just wants, you know, keen investments, right? And so, so maybe he sees something with farmland that, uh, you know, you know, everyone else doesn't in terms of, uh, in terms of an investment opportunity. And uh, the amount of land that Bill actually owns is, is, is still pretty insignificant. So uh, if you're worried about Bill, you know, holding our food system hostage or anything like that, um, you know, he, he's not going to be able to do that. Mm, it's like 0.1% of the farmland in the US, which, which, is, yeah. which is insignificant percentage-wise, you know, but it's a lot of farmland, I imagine. It's, it's, and especially if we're not going to need it as much in the future presumably you know modern ways of making food outside of animals takes up much less space right yeah uh so actually animals in uh in factory farming context are actually better in terms of like space efficiency right so this is part of the reason why we have factory farming right if you cram in animals together you know you save less space but interestingly enough, you know, there's this been this big uh, regenerative agriculture movement, animal agriculture movement, which you know, uh, you know, just for the record, I think is akin to clean coal. I, I I don't think it's really something we should invest into that much. It's uh, it actually will take up more land compared to uh, compared to traditional animal agriculture and and mm. factory farming. Yeah. See, that's a negative. Huge negative. Huge negative. This is, and this is in fact uh, one of the biggest environmental costs to animal agriculture. It's not necessarily just the emissions; it's the fact that animals are so inefficient that we need so much land to to both uh, you know raise them as well as to grow the crops that feed them. So, so something like thirty percent of the ice-free land on planet Earth is uh, is being used to either, either raise animals or to grow the crops that feed animals. And if you actually think about climate change. You know, one of actually the best interventions we have for climate change is, you know, just reducing animal agriculture and just planting trees, right? So we can use trees if we if we have the space for them. Yeah, right, right. And and I I've, I was hearing, you know, that is it around thirty percent of new restaurants open in in London are now plant based. Yeah, something like that. So so my boss had a had a London trip 
a couple months ago, and he heard this tidbit from someone that something like, yeah, 30% of new restaurant openings in London are, are 100% plant-based. That's that's fascinating to know. Things are changing. It's weird. For those listening on the audio and stuff, I just say the chat's gone completely mad since we mentioned Bill Gates, particularly in the vegan stuff. People go, yeah. I'm unsubscribing to Sean's show. And it's like, well, you can't like Sean's show that much if if like one opinion that's a bit different from yours it is enough for you to unsubscribe. I just find that crazy. You're allowed to just watch and go, well, I disagree with that. Maybe I'll turn off and watch the next thing. Maybe I'll have a new opinion. You don't have to like unsubscribe to Sean's entire show. It just seems mad. This idea, this conspiratorial idea that everybody's got an agenda who has a different view to you. Like Some people just have different views from you. Is he, You're not getting funding from Bill Gates, are you, Kartik? I am not, as far as I know. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Nosferatu is going to remove his Andrew Gold tattoo as well. That's a shame. But he's joking, of course. But I mean, I saw Bill Gates. This is the thing. I know you think he's got, everyone thinks he's got an agenda. Maybe I don't know enough about him, right? But I saw him drink like human poo, right? And is anyone willing to do that, I think, for the sake of the environment? He's got to care a little bit. He had this, this poo. <laughs> he had like um, human poo like, piled up in somewhere and he took all the water out of it. And then he just sort of sat there and drunk it. Again, because of my ick factor, I'm never going to drink that. But I don't know. Yeah. Just, I, don't, I, don't know what the, I don't know what the thing is. Also, also, he's written books. You know, book, books don't make any money. They don't, they don't really, you know, you know, do anything other than trying to, you know, help people change minds and, you know, do good. So I, I think, you know, his, his intentions are, you know, 99% noble. Yeah. I think so as well. People, well, I, I, people now go in. Do you think he drunk the poo water? I saw him do it. It's on the video. Unless they did some sort of weird thing, I literally saw him take the drink the poo water. He drunk the poo water. Um, tell me, I want to know more about. Get off Bill Gates for a second because they've all gone berserk, right? And I don't know. Whatever. Um, <laughs> what the labs, the lab grown stuff. I'm interested in that because that is quite freaky. Like growing like a chicken breast. Like at what point is it breathing? Like what is it alive? What is it? It's uh well, so it's not going to be conscious, you know. So so I I, I guess it depends on the def definition of alive. Like is it going to be like there's going to be some active metabolism in it for sure. But uh but yeah, it should there should be no consciousness associated to it. Oh my god. Okay, it still is quite creepy. It's like Margaret Atwood stuff that <laughs> she's written about that, like headless chickens being grown and all that. Would and you, would you have your presumably? Would you enjoy that then? Because presumably you've gone some time now without eating like chicken and stuff like that, and it would be a way to get back into it. I would try it. I don't. Yeah. So I don't have any hangups with it ethically, which is which is the reason why I don't eat animal products. So yeah, if if given the opportunity, I would absolutely try it. Hmm. Okay, interesting. I, th I guess like one of the issues I suppose people might say is like, this is all, you know, well and good for the US or some of the richer Western countries. Uh, but you know, what about impoverished countries and things like that? They can't, they can't be getting any of this stuff. What, what do they do? Yeah, so I, I, I do think this technology definitely has the potential to actually democratize and actually make a lot of the, the meat that, uh, you know, first world countries really seem to be privileged to enjoy. You know, just just much more widespread. So I actually see these technologies as eventually just just making protein-rich foods much much cheaper and much more affordable. Hmm. Interesting. And and so and what what's the next thing to change? Like the next is 
are there like new things on the horizon that are going to just like blow people's minds that's like in the next couple of years like like i'm gonna go to the supermarket and be like what i can't believe that that kind of thing yes yes so we're actively working on plant-based cheeses and uh you know we've we hope to you know come out to market i think by the end of the year or within the next year and you know i think you know obviously i'm biased but i i I think we've done a really good job and you know the vegan cheeses that are out there you know have gotten better but you know still are nowhere close to parity with uh with the dairy-based counterparts yeah those are the worst bits the cheese (laughs) yeah yeah so so i think we'll continue to see you know, evolution on those things. I think, uh, you know, the burgers, I think just, I think really everything is just going to continually get better. You know, we saw this with the Impossible Burger. You know, there was there was the v- version one that came out, uh, you know, like you know, five years ago, which was, you know, pretty good. But, you know, I think my meat-eating friends rated it a six out of 10 on, uh, you know, the, the hedonic scale. And they came out with version two, which, uh, you know, I, I think went up a couple of points. And I know they're they're constantly iterating on it. Oh man, I went out the other day um, in Bristol where I live and they've got quite a lot of plant-based places and I took a friend of mine who's Argentinian and they love their meat and he's very proud, a proud meat eater but he forgot that I was vegetarian so he just grabbed my burger and had a bite of it because he just didn't have his own or I don't know, he wanted to taste it and he starts like shouting like, oh my God, oh that's the best burger I ever had. I can't believe it, oh and all this stuff and I said like, it's not it's not meat mate It's not. and he wouldn't believe me he got the waiter over he was asking like this is meat isn't it and they're going no it's not um and that was great and then obviously because he's stubborn like an hour later he was like actually you know the more i think about it it, it, i don't now that i know it wasn't meat i don't think it was good because in his mind it had to be meat for him to have enjoyed it or something but um yeah i guess the problem i mean the reason i won't go or haven't gone vegan yet is because yeah the cheese is not yet there so I'm really mm-hmm. interested in, in following what you guys are doing. And then it's also, yeah, dairy and the cakes and things like that. So you, do you, you really think in the next few years, even like cakes and things are going to be right at that level? I think so. And, and I actually even predict they'll be better. So the experience that your friend had, we're, we're going to see more and more experiences like that. Yeah. And, and I, you know, maybe, maybe one, another note that I just kind of want to leave people with that I think is really important so I think I think the notion is that you know replacing animal products is going to be kind of like a knee replacement, right? It's never going to be as good as the original, and you know we're, we're going to want to like forestall it as long as possible. I think the analogy that we really want to focus on is replacing animal products is going to be like going from donkey carts to electrical vehicles. So it's it's not, and actually in my view, it's not actually going to be because we pr- reproduce things that we do the transition, it's actually gonna be because we do things better. We're gonna like have foods that we're actually, Andrew, you and I are not currently conceiving right now that uh, you know that we're just gonna be able to create because we're no longer confined to this inefficient animal. And that's the future in my view. So uh, we're gonna have these, these foods that just you know are unlike anything that we have today and just are way better than anything we can do with an animal. I'm really excited for that. I think one of the things that really grossed me out the most when I used to eat meat was all the the fatty bits you'd get and all those, which you don't get in like a, however they make those burgers. How, how do you make, how do you even start, think in a layperson way, if it's possible to explain, going like, okay, we're going to create cheese that is not anything to do with an animal? Yes, it's it's honestly, you know, a lot of art, you know, so it's it's a lot of like trying things and, you know, and in, in, in figuring out like, okay, you know, we think we can improve the flavor, you know, with this ingredient, 
we think we can get better texture, you know, with this this plant ingredient. And of course, like you know, my company, we we try to take a little more of a scientific data science approach, and you know, trying to effectively reduce the search space so that we can iterate much faster. But really, it is just a ton, a ton of iterating until you know we have something that's good enough. Yeah, well, I can't really imagine it just being in the lab and just yeah, all this like weird stuff, putting it together, and it tastes like cheese in the end. I suppose the one thing I do miss, the one thing I miss more than anything is like going for a barbecue back in, you know, in Argentina and having a steak and they love their steaks there and having it sort of medium rare. But and, and I haven't yet seen that. I've seen burgers, but I haven't seen are there sort of steaks out there that are really good. Yeah. So uh, the the cultivated states, I, th- I think, still have a long way to go. Actually, so there's this microbial fermentation company, Meaty where they actually fashion a steak out of microbial biomass. And uh, I've gotten to try something that's kind of like it. It's actually been like the best texture I've had in a, you know, a non-cow steak alternative. And uh, I think, you know, I, as I understand it, it's really good. And, you know, they, they raised a bunch of money recently. And part of that is to, to basically fund their commercialization and expansion. So I think you'll see their product out pretty soon. Really interesting. Kartik, where do you want to send the, the people who are on board with the this, with what you're doing? Sure. Uh, so my website is aftermeatbook.com. And uh, my Twitter is kslearns. But I'm, I'm not really that active on Twitter. Actually, probably LinkedIn is actually the best way. So feel free to go to my website. The book is actually free. So you can actually download the audiobook or any digital version completely for free. I don't want money to be an, uh, a reason that someone can't access and finally, I just want to say all the proceeds are going to charity. I'm, I'm very excited to see this transition happen. And so I hope uh, I hope everyone will, will support it. Oh, thank you, Kartik. You've been wonderful. Really, really fascinating stuff. And have a lovely day. Thank you, Andrew. Take care. Thank you, Kartik Sekar, for speaking to me despite the anger and uproar and capital letters brigade you listeners can find his book after meat online what do you think what did you think perhaps you're intrigued by the concepts shared today but don't agree with the philosophy behind it maybe you're waiting for sufficient advancements in the tech before dipping your toe in a very processed future It's all a bit weird and dystopian. It's all a bit Margaret Atwood. But frankly, I'm just excited about the idea of some better vegan cheese. Get the full episode with several interviews, all sorts of people on Sean Atwood True Crime Podcast. And please keep on sharing the podcast, this one, his one, whatever. Also, I'm doing a big guest invite list for, you know, the the autumn and winter and everything. want to get those guests nailed down. So let me know if there are any people you'd like me to interview. Get me on Twitter or Instagram on andrewgold underscore okay. Or find my email address. It's just my last name, then my first name, the number two at gmail.com. I'm always looking for new ideas. That's all for now. I'll catch you next time. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today 
at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.